Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I'm here tonight with my fabulous co-host, Oog Levadier, a.k.a. Oogie. If you like us, follow us on at Apple Podcasts, at Believe, at Spotify, click a like, follow Serving Aces, DM us at Alexander Stevenson or at Who's Levadier. Tonight we have, as well as Oogie, one of my favorite people in the world, the fabulous John Austin. John Austin was 40 in the world on the ATP tour. That was his highest ranking. He has wins over John McEnroe, Andres Gomez, Tim and Tom Gullickson, Yannick Noah, and countless more. He had a great career on the tour, and I'm not going to forget that he is a Wimbledon champion. We have a Wimbledon champion, guys, tonight in this podcast. So please welcome a big round of applause, John Austin. Hello, John. Hello, Alexandra. How are you? Hello, Hook, too. Good evening. How are you? Thanks for being on. Well, I'm very excited that you're coming on. And I know we're going to talk some tennis P's and Q's, right? And we're going to get into the French Open a little bit. But I mentioned before, you have wins over Andres Gomez and Yannick Noah. What do those two men have in common? I believe they are French, former French Open champions. Yes, they are. So we are very on trend tonight. We have a man who has defeated two French Open champions. And I have to mention again, you also defeated John McEnroe when he was number one in the world. Not an easy feat. So John, you got to give me your favorite shot that you love to play in your singles match in the past and now, because I know you still play. And of course, I didn't mention that you also coached me and you've been in my life for a long time. I think I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. So you've been a huge mentor to me. And I already know what your favorite shot is, but why don't you tell our audience what it is? Okay. I have two favorite things in my game. My return of serve. I thought I had the second best return of serve in the world on the tour behind Jimmy Connors. And my backhand was a great shot. My backhand down the line was phenomenal. Good Not enough. to brag, but it was very good. Okay, well, of yeah. Right. All right, mm-hmm. Oogie. So let's get you in on this. So what is most important about having a good return to serve? Why do you think John's was so good? Well, we'll have definitely to ask him for sure, because being the second best return to serve after Jimmy Connors, that's like huge. You know, it's like being the next best player in NBA after Michael Jordan. I mean, who is that? It's unbelievable. So, I mean, I'd have to, I didn't see John play, so I can't really tell. But what was great about your return? Is it like, you hit on the rise. You read the serve. What was the best thing about it? Uh, mainly on the rise. You'd serve a big serve. I hit it right back down your throat. And I love it. I love returning serve. So I couldn't wait. And I I tried to be like Andre. I would try to get a tell from your toss where you're going to hit the ball. And I got pretty good at where you're going to hit the ball. So I, and I, I could, if I could pick it up, I could take it early and hit it back actually pretty quickly. So when I... I very consistent, but also pretty powerful. And you know what so you, you were just... able. Oh no, go I'm ahead, sorry. Oogie. Yeah, I was. You were able to, uh, like, 
pick a serve as well from the certain tactical points where let's say uh let's say Serena Serena when it's add on the ad side she would serve a lot down the tee with her slice serve I mean right. I would expect that and I would tell Alexandra right. that right. expect her to go for that serve because so did you read right. patterns as well and you were able to produce certain charts in your head a little bit when you're playing the guys well charts probably not but you, you become sort of intuitive I know it's, you know, it's 30 all and who he oh, tends to go wide to my forehand. So I'm looking for it, you know? Mm -hmm. So right that kind of kind of thing. Well, also servers have really, patterns, but right? Also they do, yeah. but also I really try to watch the toss leave your hand and see mm -hmm. it come off your strings of your racket. That gives me a little head start. I can, I can tell from your toss sometimes a lot of players would change their service direction based on their toss. Yeah. You know, their toss would vary just a little bit and it, you could tell where they're going to go. You're right. So like they give me a little split second jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah there you go. The what toss about your is the most I mean, important. Th right? That's right. I mean, you can tell a lot from that, but then there's guys like Federer, you know, that are doing almost the same toss whenever they're kicking it or flatting or even, right. you know, right. those kind of, so these guys well, are. Well, I never to got read. to play better. So I, I, I can't speak to that. Um, of course. The the toughest serve, I loved lefty serves, like Mackinac's lefty serve, I loved it. It would have that lefty curve go right in my back, and I wanted to back it, I loved it. That's right. The toughest serve for me to return was Roscoe Tenner. Not because of the speed, but because he hit it right out of his hand. It was a very, very low toss. I could not oh. tell where he's going to go. So I just have to guess. And, you know, I hate just having to guess. And so I could, I you know, I played him many times. I lost 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, and 7-6, seven, six, and 7-6. Seven, and seven six mm. and seven six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and Roscoe yeah, Roscoe Tanner Oogie was this great American player with a fast service motion. Yeah. So what Josh right. what John was saying with the toss, he didn't have a long extended left arm. He just tossed mm -hmm. it and ripped it. Yeah. Well, Which is the left too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's tough and to read. Since right. John's back end was great, then the lefties were not effective against him. So if somebody's slicing all their their serves right. down through your back end, you're just ripping in right. because it's your it's your good job. Well, he had he had the fastest serve recorded at the time, I you're think right. 140 miles an hour. It was a big serve. So if he got it in the corner, uh, it was gone. I couldn't I couldn't do much with it. So yeah. Well, did you I've... pick? Did you pick? I'm, I'm I have so many questions for him. Seriously, it's you know Thanks. for me to. To, to to meet somebody which is like so great like that I've, i have so many questions one more would be how what about your targets did you did you pick your targets of returning before the guy serves or was it like more instinctively whenever the ball was coming generally before i'd have a plan um because i think every shot has to have a purpose uh -huh. so i would generally in singles i'd go for the the t the center t there in the service box yeah. because if you stay back it was neutral if he served volley, below volley. So um, that was my target. Because that way, if I was a little bit late, because I always think when you hit, you have to have margin. Never aim right. for a line. Because if you're a millimeter off, you lose the point. So I'd give myself a big target, plus get myself into the point. You're right. So, See, in today's, today's game, somebody like Federer, when he returns, would be more like, I would chip it, but deeper because back then when john was playing i'm sure there was had there was much more serving in volley so to go low like a foot or two feet above the net in the middle of the court right. I, I totally agree and that was right. that was great for sure well, also the courts were faster right yeah pretty much pretty much it was all serving volley back then we did yeah, have some baseline there's like connor's a baseliner but most of it's serving ballers 
And actually, interesting, back then, three of the four Grand Slams were on grass. Wow. US Open, Australian Open, and uh, uh, Wimbledon were on grass. So, and the whole, all the tournaments leading up to them were on grass. So a lot of grass was played back then. Yeah, hmm. I wish right. they would have kept that. That would have been fun. Do you know, right. do you know like why they switched right. out? Was it because of the speed of play? Was it because of... Um, well, US know. Open did it first. They, in 76, they switched West Side Tennis Club to clay courts. Uh-huh. And then, I remember uh, then, they, then in 78, they moved to the current location, Flushing Meadows, and it was all hard courts. So, was there what was the reason though did i i don't, I don't know. know i wasn't part of the decision making well, i think time. they wanted to be different than the french probably right i don't i don't know why australia also, was rebound ace right yeah but also at the time um and plus grass is hard to maintain cars hard yeah. planets yeah. for a tv audience it's 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 not a lot of long rallies usually right. except now they change the grass of Wimbledon. they have a more of a clay sub base ball mm-hmm. sits up a little bit higher like Australian grass, I love. It's so hot there. And the court would get firmer. The ball would bounce up a little bit higher than Wimbledon. So it was easier to play on. Australia mm. wasn't Wimbledon, I thought. Yeah, but when I played Wimbledon, it was still quick. And then they've right. slowed it down even more and changed right. the rye right. of the grass. Right, right, right. 2005, yep. I think, when they right. shifted, which is why we see so many rallies. Exactly right. I, I, I had not played there since I never had to hit most sports. Yeah, well, we got it. We are talking about the French this Sunday, but sure. we're in the middle week. But I got to touch on that you are a Wimbledon champion, John. Mixed doubles with your sister, Tracy Austin. So you're from Thank the. You. Wow. How was that? I mean, I want to know. I want to know how was that? To, just but to, wait, wait, to... wait, Oogie. We got to get into where he's an Austin family. And in tennis that is huge it's like a dynasty right you're right so like the kardashians and pop culture like john austin <laughs> from the austin family are like the kardashians right okay the history of to tennis chloe kardashian that's awesome well, <laughs> i won't I call not, you chloe <laughs> i am not taking my shirt off so don't worry oh, that's off. okay that's all right okay so hey, yeah, karen you. might not approve alexandra imagine <laughs> If Karen walks into room, Jared, and John's Karen shirtless. would be like, "Sure, no problem." She's easy. The bulldog breezy. starts. The bulldog car starts going nuts. Yeah. All right. So your mom Jeannie was the matriarch of this amazing what? family, and she started playing tennis and got in love with it, mm-hmm. and then wanted to put the whole family in it. Yes. That's so true. it was Jeannie who started playing, and did she yes. start at the Kramer Club in Southern California? Well, they started playing before that. Uh, my dad was in the military and they moved every two years like the military does. I was the fourth of five kids. And I think my mom said, no, Moss, I no, don't want to move anymore. So he retired and they settled in California. Hmm. They played at a local high school in Redondo Beach. There was no clubs in the area at the time. And uh, part of that group was Vic Braden. And they would play, I'm told they'd play all day on the weekends, literally all day. And me being a little baby, with no childcare like there is now, they put. I'm told they put me in the back of the station wagon when they play tennis, and they locked me in there. And I, I no played. way. That's what I'm told. I don't know if that's true. That's what they told told me. So anyway, and they played all week. And then uh, Vic was working with Jack Kramer, who was running the tour and also former number one player in the world. He asked Vic to be the pro at the club he was going to build in Rolling Hills, and a guy at that group 
was the manager. My mom was a pro shop manager. Three of them built and started the Jack Graham Club. It opened in 1962 in Rolling Hills, California. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So your mom was at the forefront of it. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. So we all played tennis. And I'll tell you a funny story because I didn't want to play. I hated it. I was, I was kind of a chunky little kid. And my, I would walk home from school while my mom was working. And I loved it. I'd watch cartoons and eat food. I just, it was great. <laughs> it was great. So my mom associated not, tennis. Great stuff. And, great environment. For great. One time, I'll tell you something. One time, um, she, you know, we didn't have sweets very often. It was very rare in our house. And one time I found a gallon of ice cream in the freezer when I was home. I ate the whole darn thing that afternoon. John! Where's the ice cream? I said, what? what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, did you have some? I said, I had a small portion, you know? <laughs> but and then, so, go ahead. Then, then she found a teacher to give me a ride from school to the club. And she said, you got you have to get in the backboard for half an hour a day. And I said, mom, I don't have until time. She said, okay. My mom was very patient. She said, okay, here's a watch. It's a big hand, little hand. When the big hand gets to there, you're done. I said, great. So I go down the backboard. And after about two minutes, I pull out the little stem of the watch and I move the big hand to the, the half an hour mark. And I come back, hey, just look, see, big hand's there. I'm done. She said, no, it's not happening. I said, you said when the big hand gets there, I'm done. And she said, well, look at that clock. I said, well, you said this watch, you know. So I, it's, I'm done. She said, okay, you're done. But finally, then something happened. I just got the bug to play and it wanted to get really good. So I really started playing hard. And, and I asked Dell, the club manager, hit me balls a night and run me and train me. And how old were you when you got interested? About nine or ten. So it was Jeff, your brother, who started first. Then Pam, Pam your sister. So they started together. How old were they when they started? I don't know, honestly. I I wasn't around. And then Tracy fell into it because she was hanging out? At the club, right. Okay, but you started after Pam. I did. And Doug, too, my other brother. And then Doug. So did right. you did you and Doug start? Doug. Not together. He started in front of me. Okay. Now, we played a high school team together. He was a senior and I was a freshman on the high school wow. team. So you really were fun. you were the last one to, besides Tracy, because she's younger than you, you were the last one to join the gang. I was. I was. I was. Right, right, right. Well, I feel like your returns were so great, maybe because you went on that backboard, right, Oogie? <laughs> that's right and then you know what that's wow it's fun. sorry you know i love about the backboard's great i played many matches in my mind against that backboard you visualization oh i did i i played i always played the best players the game i played these matches in my head and i had winning shots a lot of times so you were visualizing before it was in vogue i guess so i guess so wow that's a cool right. story john right. Okay, so Tracy Austin, obviously your younger sister, that is who you won Wimbledon mixed doubles with. So, now a little factoid: we are the first brother and sister team in history to win Wimbledon mixed doubles. Okay, that's huge. Right, that is big. Who, who won the? Who's the next brother and sister? Uh, uh, Helena Sokova and Cyril Soup. Okay, funny. Because, you know, the Slavic countries, women are ovas. You know, uh, yep. like That's right. Lova has a brother, Paul Navratil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, never, you never know they're related. You never tell mm-hmm. Lova. You would never associate them, you know, but that's 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 how they do the name. Yeah, Oogie remembers. Remember, Oogie, I used to say, there's just so many ovas on this tour. You're right. 
that's it uh you know right. in uh, russia russia and uh, czech republic especially yep. those those right, those right. ladies are called all right Oogie, then, so yeah. you got to get back right. to your wimbledon champion question that we now we're now on so Ugi, ask away oh, well there's so many but uh i, I just want to know a little bit more about that that title that uh that you won with tracy i mean that's just so big did were you guys seated did you guys expected that and how how did that year turn how what was that year going and what was the vibe at that time well actually it's pretty funny because that year tracy was projected to win the whole singles title okay. she was playing well she was moving up the career of the rankings and all of the uh uh broadcaster like alexander were predicting she would win the wimbledon that year well in, in that year there's a lot of rain so we never even started our, our mixed doubles yet it kept getting delayed because of rain mm. well she got the semis and lost to yvonne Gulagon, who was like a mother first mother to win wimbledon and um and who, yvonne played the match of her life and mm. beat tracy and her agent donald dell said go home and i said Heck no. I've been sitting here for a week waiting to play. You know, I'm like, no, no. I said, if you want to go, you go. I said, but I, dying, I wanted to stay because you know what? We won and I, I made $2,000 to win. And I lost money because it cost me more money to stay in London for that extra week to win a women's title. Wow. So I, it, was, yep. it was a net loss. But let me tell you the story too real quick. Sorry, Alexandra. We were down the first round to John Newcomb and Yvonne Gildon, a set and 4-1. We're getting crushed. Top draw. And Tracy was serving, second serve, break point. And Newcomb, he had a big forehand. He was standing in the alley. He stood in the alley, got you to crush the return. Because Tracy mm -hmm. had a dinky volume serve. Well, her serve, Oogie, was so dinky and short. It landed short in the box. You no know, one grass, it doesn't bounce. It, doesn't it bounced and kind of bounced. It rolled. Exactly right. So it was an ace. So, you know, there was seven people watching. I looked at the crowd and said, hey, everyone, that's history. Tracy Austin just aced John Newcomb. <laughs> they're, they're all laughing. Somehow we came we came back and won. And all the time down that we so we, we beat some good teams. In the semifinal, we beat uh, Betty Stowe and uh, Fru McMillan, world champions. In the finals, we played. Uh, we were very nervous in the finals. We played uh, uh, Diane Fromholtz from Australia and Mark Edmondson from Australia, hmm. and. Um, and we were down to set and fall one. We're getting crushed. And we were nervous. Oh. I remember back then they had breakfast at Wimbledon. I just yep. wanted to make tea. Because that year, usually mixed is the last event of the day at Wimbledon. It's men's singles and mixed. But because of the rain, so much rain, they put us on before the men's single. Which oh. always starts precisely at two. They put us on at noon. Yep. Well, well, we were down at 4-1 down in the second set. Tracy has always seemed very, very calm on the court. You know, very, very mentally tough. We changed sides and she's freaking out. Oh my gosh, we're losing. This is so embarrassing. And, and, and I'm the older brother. Okay? So I have to think of something wise. I said, Tracy, listen to me. Whatever happens, don't panic. She thinks about it for a second. And she looks at me and she says, That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and we started laughing. We started laughing. <laughs> and then we got loosened up. And then we we're down match points in the second set. And Mark Edmondson. Being the male showman that he is, he overpoached two shots and missed volleys to keep us in the match. We were down match point. Tracy returned because we did mix differently. Tracy played the ad, I played the deuce. To me, mix doubles is about the return of serve, getting return yeah. of serve and play. And she wanted to play. Most people in doubles have a specific side they like to play. She mm -hmm. wanted the outside. Fine, I'll play the deuce side. 
So, um, so she had a great return. And Diane would have handled Dan has great volleys, but handle it great. But Edmondson overpoached and missed the volley. Then somehow we won the second set in tiebreaker, got ahead in the third set, wasn't nervous at all. I was serving for the match, got to match point. Let me tell you, Alexandra, that ball was so heavy. I couldn't lift for it. Sure. I could not lift that ball. So heavy. I could not lift it. I tried a couple times. I couldn't do it. And finally, I just threw it up and hit a, a serve as hard as I could. And then uh, we won the point and won the match. It was fantastic. Wow. That's fantastic. amazing. That was and great. What really cool, our parents were there too. It was very cool. Well, oh, and that's a great I know you you say you don't remember anything, but isn't that funny how, of course, the finals of Wimbledon on the center court, you just walked us through. I felt like I was there, Oogie, in the no stands. Doubt. That I was, was like, amazing, John. But I didn't tell you the return. I missed it 3-2 in the first set. I didn't tell you, didn't tell you those. Okay. Well, you just told us <laughs> the highlights. That's all we I was enthralled. My gosh. And you guys, you guys switch return size like second set. No, no, no. We always did do sad. I played the juice. She played the ad. We never switched that. Okay. Tracy wanted the ad because of her yeah. backhand, the backhand right, cross right. court. Right. Mm -hmm. Tur fast right. turn, staying low through the ball. Right. And you still and remember that that ball was so heavy. Now, was it heavy because you were nervous or was it heavy because of the wetness of the grass and the conditions? Well, come on, Alexander, you played there. You know, it's, it's because of the wetness of the court. I know. I just had to <laughs> ask you. The fact that the court was bone dry didn't matter. It was heavy because of the conditions, not because I was nervous. I know. Was, I just, I had I to was, ask. I, was I can't say it. I was nervous as heck. I was so nervous. Yeah, but you know no, what? I mean, That's where your mental what? toughness came in and your visualization that you worked on the backboard, hitting over and over, playing your best <laughs> matches. Right. You were able to right. tune into that. And hit the big right. serve. Right, right. Well, what, it was not a big serve, but it was an adequate serve, but it was a good enough serve that we good got enough a, we to win. Return. Right. Good now, enough to did, win. did you meet the Duke? Did he give you the trophy? The game's the trophy. Yeah, the Duke and Duchess of Kent. Not the Queen or not the Princess, but the Duke and Duchess. But, For 50 years, he gave the trophies. Yeah, and right. he was the patron of Wimbledon, and now Princess yes, Kate right. is the patron. That's very true. Well, right, that's true, right. pretty cool. So where's your trophy? In our house. Where do you keep it? Well, actually, no, the big trophy stays there. Yeah. We got a little replica. And I'll tell you yeah. another funny story. When we were done, we went inside, you know, to collect everything. And the people said, oh, it's so lucky because we you were losing so poorly. We almost started engraving the trophy with their name on it. We said, oh, we'll wait till it's over. And no we're down there. And they said, and they said, now we'll wait. And we end up winning, so they, they were lucky. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had a trophy. That's so, we have so British. We have a little replica. You would have kept them, but it would have had some other people's name on it. That would have been funny. <laughs> they would have had to send hilarious. it in the mail. That's pretty <laughs> funny, <laughs> actually. Oh, that is funny. But you know what the best is? You guys were almost down and out in the first round, and that's usually how it goes when you win a tournament or a Grand Slam. There's a moment in the tournament, because it's so long, that you might be down and out, and you got to find the will and the way to win. You have a near-death experience a lot of times, honestly. Mm -hmm. And yep. funny is because we played many, well, not many, but a few years before, we never went around. We only played mixed doubles at Wimbledon for one reason. Why is that, Alexandra? Because Tracy lost early, right? Or no? Why? No. Because you lost you early? You to, no. You have to enter because it is grass court practice. You know, women, you oh, can't get practice. I should have known that. And also, because of her singles, 
There's no night match at Wimbledon. Yeah, There's no so she could rest. play. She could play with no, not too much stress and not staying out too late. And so, you get to practice your serve and return. Right, right. Get some grass court practice extra. Right. So yeah. we did it for her. You're right. The Williams sisters only play doubles pretty much in Wimbledon as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Plus, you know, right. not, there's no night, you know. They didn't want like a U.S. Open. You play night match. You might get home at two in the morning. Oh, yeah. Play, yeah, it's play. really hard to play doubles right, and mix right. at the Open. Well, right. now the French Open it has night matches as well. I'm telling you, they've been great. They have been, right. and it's so nice because in America, North America, for us, we get to watch more tennis instead of it being done at like noon. You right. can turn right. it on, and there's the night match. Yeah, well, the other day right. I turned it on, and Monfils was down four love in the fifth set. And, you know, remember Connors in 1979? You uh, you might remember it, but Alexander won't. She's too young. Um, but I've Connors, seen highlights. He got to semifinals and because yep. the crowd willed him. I tell you, Monfils won that match because of the crowd. And, oh, John, sure. you texted Fantastic. me while I was on the court coaching, and you're right. like, are you watching this match? And I had to go look at my phone in between – I told the kids to serve some right. and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I didn't get to see it. And I had to come home and right. see it. Right. Yeah, right. Could, could have been his last match of his career. So it was big because right. he injured right. his wrist. There's ligaments right. torn in there. And right. Right. Uh, the time it is just all, you know, it's cramping in both legs right. and yeah. he's, he's at home in Paris. So he's like going all out and right. his girlfriend's right. Vitolina is coming back as well. And she's still right. in and she's in the Vitolina. corner. Yeah. They're having right. a great one. Stories there. You know right. what the Monfi match reminded me of is, we as tennis players and athletes on this podcast talking, we've all been through the triumphs and the traumas of tennis and been disappointed and been, been happy and had people love us and have people hate us. But what Monfi did is what you play tennis for, the glory of the game, the will to win. Look what the crowd did for him. They carried him through and he went deep down inside and pulled out amazing electric tennis, which right. is what you want to see as a fan. But as an athlete, that's what you want to feel. And for him yeah. to feel that after becoming a new dad and 19 years on the tour and that he could pull that out is just so impressive. Yeah, and I, and read, I read a quote. He said he was down three love in the fifth. And he started thinking, you know, I've never won a match as a dad. So it kind of gave him some incentive. You know, I'm a dad now. I want my kid to see me play. So mm. gave him that some changes a lot. You're right. right sure. Totally right. Yeah. Well, right. you guys know as fathers how to find yeah. that extra level. Right. It's huge. It's huge. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a mother or a father. <laughs> but maybe right. I'll be a mother one day, not a father, because I am a she. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So moving awesome. forward, speaking of the French, John, you are not also you are you are a great player, but you became, which is so impressive. You pivoted after your career into a professorial tennis coach, and I love it that tonight I have two professorial tennis coaches here talking tennis with me. And your both of your brains are just so analytical and. They're fun to talk tennis. And we got to tell the story of you went into the French Open after Michael Chang won the French Open. The next year, he asked you to be his coach. 
So I want you to tell me the story that you told me the other day for our listeners to hear, because it's just so fun and it's so French. And the fact that you went with Michael Chang after he won the French was a big deal because he was the first Asian American Chinese man to win the French. Mm -hmm. So what was that like to come back with him and get him through that week, that two weeks of playing? Oh, we lost John. Oh, Oogie, that was a good question. <laughs> yep. John froze. Okay, so let's see if he unfreezes and get him back. We might cool. have to edit this part out, Oogie. A little technical problem there, a little probably. Technical problem. All right, I'm gonna pause right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 